Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Hello, I'm Ed Thornton. This week, I'm talking to the Reverend Dr. Andrew Atherston about his new book, Repackaging Christianity, Alpha and the Building of a Global Brand. It's the first book-length history of the Alpha movement. It's published by Hodder and Stoughton and is available to buy from the Church Times bookshop for the reduced price of £19.80. Dr. Atherston is Latimer Research Fellow at Wycliffe Hall, Oxford, and a member of Oxford University's Faculty of Theology and Religion. His previous books include a biography of the current Archbishop of Canterbury, called Archbishop Justin Welby, Risk Taker and Reconciler, published by DLT. Andrew Atherston, welcome to the Church Times podcast. Thank you for having me. I'd just like to start by asking why you decided to write this book about Alpha now. I mean, has it, is it a story that you thought hadn't been told yet in, in book form in this way? There have been plenty of books about Alpha. There have been theological critiques, ethnographic studies, soci- sociological studies. This is the first history. This is the first archivally researched um, contextual discussion of Alpha. Um, so uh, I think that's what I, I hopefully bring to the conversation. Alpha is a global phenomenon, but hasn't been written on this way before. Major impact in the Church of England, of course, um, locally, but also uh, right around the globe. So it just seemed a, a topic ripe for investigation. Can I ask a bit about your sources, because you have the sort of publicly available sources like the HDB newspapers, but also some really interesting sources like Nicky Gumbel's diaries, the, the vicar of HDB and the sort of, um, not the founder, but the brains really behind Alpha. So uh, it's it's an unauthorised um, study. Um, I'm coming from an outsider perspective. Um, I'm not part of the HTB network or family of churches, um, but they've been very generous in allowing me access um, to their people and also to their archive store. Um, so there are dozens and dozens of archive boxes um, of alpha materials uh, stretching right back, well, for over 30 years. Um, and during lockdown, uh, when we couldn't get out to other libraries, um, I had stacks of uh, boxes here at home and just spent days working through them. So it, it's, I think, um, hopefully, readers will find it's rich in the archive um, and the sorts of sources that you wouldn't otherwise find easy to uncover if you were researching without that sort of access. Then I've done some, some interviews with, with some of the key alpha players, um, stretching back 30 or 40 years. Um, and then uh, Nicky Gumbel himself has allowed me access to some of the boxes in his attic. Um, so his alpha files and, and tapes and, as you say, desk diaries. Um, and those have provided all sorts of gems which just illustrate the book in new ways. Do you think coming, um, approaching it as an outsider, I mean, you're, you're not there to sort of make a case for Alpha, you're, you're trying to apply a historian's eye to it, to its you as a phenomenon. So my approach all the way through, I, I've been trying to be fair. I suppose that's my, that's my main aim. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to hold the ring, if you like, for the conversations about Alpha. And uh, there's, uh, there's plenty of criticism and critique running all the way through the book from a whole variety of different authors and and engagers um, from the secular world, uh, which doesn't approve of this evangelistic course, um, from different brands of Christianity, which 
uh, on, not on the page with Alpha. So you, you hear all, a lot of those voices um, running through the book, but I, I'm aiming for a, a sort of fair assessment, looking at it from a whole variety of different angles. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to some of those um, criticisms in a bit. Can I just ask um, at the moment about just going back to the beginning of Alpha, how it started? Obviously, Holy Trinity Brompton is, is central. We identify Alpha, of course, with, with Nicky Gumbel. Uh, they're, they're synonymous. Um, he's been the pioneer of it since the early 1990s. And it was really under his ministry that Alpha became supercharged from just a, a, a local course in a local church. I mean, hundreds of churches design their own courses, and that's how Alpha began. Um, and then in, in the early 1990s, um, Nicky Gumbel and a team brought more of a, a sort of marketing model um, and uh, a way of getting this out right across across the globe. But it began um, back in the 1970s um, with a, a young um, woman at HTB called Tricia Algio, who noticed that some people were becoming Christians, but there was no way that they were being helped in their Christian faith. Um, there was no kind of course for them. So she went to the vicar of the time and said, we need to do something. Um, he said, well, I, I've got a, a fresh-faced curate from Cranmer Hall coming next month, and we'll give him the job. Um, Charles Marnham. Um, and so Charles and Tricia together came up with this name Alpha, signifying new beginnings, um, and developed a six-week course that they ran together for, for three years. They're one of the first Alpha romances, um, ended up being uh, being married as a result of that, that ministry together. So in the book, I've, I've tried, again, to show those, those long roots, charismatic renewal in the 70s, um, all the changes happening at Holy Trinity Brompton, which in the mid 70s was um, a, a prayer book um, church with a, a reputation for very high quality liturgy and choral music. Um, they published in their weekly bulletin uh, the sorts of organ voluntaries uh, and, and pieces that the choir would be singing to whet people's appetite. Not a guitar in sight in those days. Um, and then this charismatic renewal flows into the church and all sorts of new things begin begin to happen and Alpha's born really at that period. That charismatic renewal am I right thinking John, John Wimber from, from Vineyard in California was was a key part of that charismatic renewal coming to the church it seemed a very unlikely place for that to take place was it? John Wimber um, former rock musician uh, as you say Californian church planter evangelist his brand was um, signs and wonders Christianity. Um, he, he wrote famous books in the 1980s called Power, Power Healing um, and Power Evangelism. Um, and it, again, it's a remarkable history which needs to be told perhaps more fully uh, in, an, in another book. Um, but John Wimber had a massive impact upon the Church of England in the 1980s and 90s, re remarkably so. In America, he's hardly known at all. Uh, but in, in Anglican circles, there's lots of Anglican Wimberites um, and HTB under Sandy Miller's leadership in those days were uh, very early adopters of, of the Wimber brand. So the sorts of emphases that Wimber brought about um, church planting, about evangelism, and also about, as you say, this kind of charismatic expression of Christian faith, words of knowledge and prophecy and healing, uh, very strong in the Wimber brand. You also begin to find that in the Alpha resource materials, one of its, its more controversial features. You were to ask uh, Sandy Miller, uh, as he, he has been asked, you know, name the three outside influences most impacting HTB, whose answer is John Wimber, John Wimber, John Wimber. That's still being felt today. That's really interesting. 
And of course, the book also talks about the Toronto blessing, just moving forward to sort of the early to mid 90s, I suppose, which had a, a profound effect on, on HTB and also on the growth of Alpha, would you say? And they come together chronologically. So Alpha is launched in May 1993. And a year later, this uh, Toronto blessing, as it was, was known, this um, spiritual refreshing, as the HTB leaders called it, uh, begins to flow into the church. Uh, again, highly controversial. Uh, it's sometimes called the, the laughing revival. Um, there are people you know, falling over in services. Again, not, not typical in the Anglican world. And HTB find themselves on the front page of the secular press at that period because of the Toronto blessing and really become identified with it. Um, quite closely. There are queues outside the, the services. Uh, they're having to issue tickets to their own church members just to be able to get seats in church. Um, so lots of public attention. And in some ways that supercharged the Alpha brand because HTB was in the news. Um, in other ways, Nicky Gumbel began to discover it, it also sort of hindered the Alpha brand because uh, Alpha aims not to be controversial. Alpha wants to be for, for every Christian, every denomination, every tradition. Um, and so there was this early symbiosis, but then very quickly you find Nicky Gumbel slightly rowing back on, on the Toronto link and, and trying to say that Alpha really is a, is a separate thing. The Toronto blessing has been largely forgotten. You know, historians like me are interested in it, um, but Alpha has, has gone from strength to strength where there's still a million people around the world do it today, r remarkably, you know, 30 years since it was launched. How much did the Toronto Blessing influence Alpha's Holy Spirit teaching and practice? I mean, the, the, you, you have a chapter on, on the Holy Spirit in, in the book and the, the Holy Spirit weekend. I mean, it's another quite controversial aspect of the course, but one it seems Nicky Gumbel has, has refused to sort of row back on because it seems so key. And there are lots of testimonies from people for whom that's been profoundly life-changing, but others for whom it's been perhaps alienating. That's exactly right. If you talk to people about their alpha experience, it's often the weekend away which is memorable. It's often the time at which people find either their faith is renewed or they're making new commitments to Jesus Christ at the Holy Spirit weekend, but it's also the one that provokes reactions and has people running away you know, at great speed. Um, so it, it, is a, it is a controversial part of the course. Um, but it's distinctive about the Alpha brand. I think if you look at our courses around the Church of England, uh, evangelistic products, and there's, there's many of them on the market, Alpha has always emphasised um, experiencing God. You know, that's one of the, the, the strong things that they're offering, experiencing the Holy Spirit, uh, which is perhaps one of the reasons for its cultural success, that it's sort of tied into what people in the 90s and since have, have been looking for, rather than just sort of a, a cerebral engagement. But much of that predates the Toronto blessing. Um, so again, Alpha is launched a year before Toronto, um, ra rather than the other way around. Um, and those emphases you'll, you'll still find in the course today. I was, I was quite interested that Alpha comes along at a, at a time when, I mean, before Alpha launches, the, the Billy Graham and the stadium model of evangelism has, has been predominant. But was there a point where that was becoming less culturally sort of relevant to people and the alpha supper party model relaxed you know community focused was, was that tuning into something going on in, in the wider culture i think certainly yes uh, it, it was um sort of surfing the cultural wave 
in, in the 1990s. One of the things I, I try to argue in the book is there's a, there's a sort of rebranding process going on both in national political life um, and also in, in, in Christian life, new, new labour, of course, the, the new brand. Um, and you have Tony Blair and friends there with this, this basic problem. We've, we've got a product, socialism. We, we like the product, but the people don't. You know, we, we need to repackage the product in a new, we're going to be new labour. Um, and, and in some ways, Alpha is a parallel product uh, pr- process at the same period. We, we've got Christianity. We've got this apostolic message that we don't want to change, but we need to repackage it for the modern generation. And uh, Billy Graham, um, there's lots of parallels between Tony Blair and Nicky Gumbel. There's also parallels between Billy Graham and Nicky Gumbel, because Billy Graham in the 1950s was doing exactly that in his own generation. There were lots of uh, sort of wandering revivalists in the in the 40s and 50s, and Billy Graham deliberately changes the brand. Um, it's more professional. He's always wearing a suit. You know, he's doing some things with with high quality marketing. But by the 1990s, the idea of putting all your friends in a minibus and driving them to Wembley Stadium for a, a one off, you know, hit event just is is not the cultural mood. Smaller conversations with friends around food, uh, you know, is, is really significant. As someone has said, you know, Alpha was successful because it figured out um, dinner before doctrine. You know, let's 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 eat first, and then we can have these these more informal conversations. So informality, as well as experience, is another really important part of the Alpha brand. It's also interested in, in the way that I mean, Alpha would be a, a fairly long talk on something about you know Jesus, the cross, the Holy Spirit, but then the group time. Um, I believe there was a group leaders were told not to try and answer everyone's questions, but just to let people express their view. So it wasn't a form of apologetics that's a principally about sort of cerebral arguments and answering objections in the way that you see in, in some places? There is an apologetic strand. Um, so Nicky Gumbel writes, for example, a book called Searching Issues, oh. trying to provide rational responses to seven key questions. And, and that's very popular on the Alpha bookstalls. Um, but you're quite right in terms of the event itself, uh, very light touch, strong emphasis on humour uh, and strong if you're a group leader, uh, you're not a teacher in that environment. This isn't a didactic exercise, um, but it's an opportunity just for, for people to hear their views. Um, so, so one of the, uh, the, the, the classic Gumbel responses, which some participants have found frustrating, is his frequent response to questions is, well, what do you think? And uh, we'll, 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 we'll try and draw that out from people as a, as a way of, of having a conversation. Yeah, so it's, it's a mix of those. You get the, the monologue talk, um, but then you get a very free-flowing small group conversation. And you also wrote about how Alpha came to operate in effect as a franchise model. And you said that with a franchise, it was vital to protect the integrity of the product. So as, as Alpha grew and was adopted by many churches in the UK and around the world, did, did they feel the need to um, monitor how it was being used and to take action if necessary, if, if, if churches tried to adapt the course according to their particular sort of doctrinal beliefs and, and things like that, was, was, was there a sort of copyright element where they needed to say, this is the product and you must keep to the product? There was a copyright clause, highly controversial, uh, as, as many people asked at the time, well, you, you, you can't copyright Christianity, <laughs> you know, that belongs to the whole world. You can't copyright the gospel. But again, Alpha's branding method is we want a product that means 
wherever you are in the world, you could have enjoyed Alfred in London, but you need to be able to say to your friends in New Zealand or Bolivia, oh, there's this really great course called Alpha and have confidence that when they experience it, they're going to get a similar product to the one that you've experienced. Um, otherwise, no one can have confidence in recommending it to their friends. That, that, that was the concept. Um, and hence, the, the rubrics were, well, you can change the anecdotes, you can change the illustrations and the stories, but the, the kind of doctrinal content and the 15 sessions uh, needs to stay as a whole. HTB was very happy for people to cannibalize the material, borrow it and turn it into something else, provided they didn't call it alpha. Um, so free to use, but if you want to brand it as alpha. Yeah, so that, that's a, a controversial emphasis. I mean, Nicky Gumbel talks about uh, McDonald's um, as a parallel. Um, if you go to a McDonald's in another part of the world and you're served a ham sandwich, not a hamburger, uh, you're going to be disappointed. Um, so quite a lot of the, the branding techniques from the secular world are brought into the way in which alpha markets. I think that's that's very striking. So the, the people really supercharging it as a global brand are, are not the theologians, um, but those that HTB recruits from, um, from conference organizing, from big business, uh, marketing executives who bring their wisdom and say, well, you know, if it works for Pepsi, let's see if we can, it can also work for alpha. And then part of that, they had celebrity endorsements, didn't they? There was in the press that certain people like, you know, Jerry Halliwell or Will Young, you know, pop singers had done the course. Bear Grylls um, later on became a key figurehead for Alpha. I mean, how, how much did that help raise the profile and give it a certain credibility? Lots of uh, celebrities attending the course. And again, sort of catching that cultural zeitgeist. Uh, in the early 2000s, um, you know, these, these global pop stars... Um, attending. I mean, Alpha was, was very careful not to use them as endorsements, partly because they weren't professing Christian faith. They were just kind of attending in a personal capacity. Um, but um, Samantha Fox, yeah. um, page three girl from the 1990s, she was the, one of the very first public converts and used to speak about Alpha um, from, from the stage when she was performing. Jonathan Aitken, disgraced cabinet minister, you know, prison time. Um, but uh, found his Christian faith renewed through Alpha. Um, and Bear Grylls in particular, you're quite right, uh, more recently. Uh, Bear Grylls has his own global brand, and there's lots of resonance with the Alpha global brand. The laid-back nature, um, the, the emphasis not on, on stuffy religion, uh, which Bear Grylls has no time for, but, um, but, but informality, no pressure, and that, that's one of the things, whenever you hear Bill Bear Grylls advertising Alpha, he, he will always praise about it. He says, you know, if I, if I had to leave my Alpha group and go out for a smoke, um, or I would swear on occasion, that's, you know, that, that's okay. Um, he's produced a very interesting set of um, daily devotions um, called Soul Fuel, um, published a couple of years ago. And... Again, Bear Grylls says it at the front of that, you know, if you if you never read this book, that's okay. You know, <laughs> um, don't beat yourself up um, if you haven't got these kind of religious practices ingrained in life. Um, and that resonates with the alpha clientele as well. Uh, this is deliberately informal. Um, you know, we're trying to stimulate Christian faith and following God, but but we're not into religion. Um, that's that's the branding. Yeah. 
And I, I noticed in, in the book, it mentions how they would never follow people up. If, if you came along one week, decided not to come back, no one was going to get your number and phone you and hassle you to return. I mean, and that seems to be part of the sort of softly, softly approach. Can, can I just also ask about um, some of the criticisms? Because it, it came across to me that on one hand, you've got either sort of liberal Christians or secular people saying this is fundamentalism repackaged as something more um, attractive. Then you've also got more conservative Christians saying it's diluting the doctrine of atonement or the wrath of God. I mean, what, what, what do you make of the fact that they seem to get criticism from all sides? In a sense, that goes to the territory of being a global product. Um, and the fact that they're trying to appeal to every church in the world. I mean, in, in one sense, that's, a, that's an almost impossible task. Um, but but Nicky Gumbel has has figured out the strategy. It's no, there's no way in which a small number of churches can reach the planet. You have to get every church in the world using using the product in order to maximise its effectiveness. And so he's he's had a tightrope to walk. On the one hand, he's been trying to attract Roman Catholic churches. On the other hand, he's been attracting Pentecostal churches, um, and and therefore criticism from all sides. One of the uh, really narrated or observed before is the evolution of the alpha resources, um, the the silent revisions and deletions that take place in Nicky Gumbel's paperbacks, for example, as as he responds to that sort of criticism and tries always to say. You know, is there a way we can find a middle ground that my Pentecostal friends and my Roman Catholic friends could, uh, you know, could all all cope with, um, in in some sense? Um, but you're right. There's there's been been criticism on all fronts. I mean, I think of um, some of Ian Paisley's um, Presbyterian networks in Northern Ireland, massively ag 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 um, aggressively against Alpha, partly because of its charismatic emphasis but also because it was born in the Church of England. Um, and, you know, they, they say publicly in, in some of their um, critiques, well, nothing good we can come from the Church of England. So, you know, it, it's Anglican flavour um, is, is, is to its detriment. Yeah, so I, I narrate all of those sorts of voices in the book. Um, the, the, the connections with the Church of Rome have been very, very interesting. A lot of traditional Catholics saying... This is winning us for Protestantism, and we mustn't let Gumbel into our pulpits. But on the other hand, through this patient diplomacy and revision of the course, Alpha is now widely run in Catholic churches right across the world. It's extremely popular in South America at the moment, for example, not just amongst the Pentecostals, but also the Catholics. Nicky Gumbel has you know, met uh, three most recent popes. Um, he's frequently graced the platform of Catholic congresses in Europe. So he has this remarkable ability to, to mix it with everybody uh, in a way which I think few Christian products do. I'd just like to ask about class, because obviously HTB is associated with uh, privilege and, and sort of upper class of, of English society. Mm. One could have thought the alpha formula was lended itself more to upper middle class people. But of course, one of the biggest areas of growth is, is prisons. And I mean, I think you're right that that's actually been quite key to its growth globally. Um, could, could you explain a bit what, why that is? It's counterintuitive. Uh, Alpha is invented for the supper party set in Kensington. <laughs> you know, that's where it's born, um, when people are used to going to their friends for dinner parties. I don't know how many people do that these days, um, but I, it's certainly not a global phenomenon. And yet in, in prison, um, Alpha had a remarkable 
uptick from the, the 1990s. Prisons were really early adopters. You, you can't have a weekend away in a prison, you know, much as the inhabitants might, might enjoy it. Um, a lot of prison and governors were very nervous about allowing um, things to happen in, in their chapels. I mean, the strange way riots in the 90s began in the chapel. So lots of restrictions. But chaplains, again, right across the theological traditions, were reporting in those years that, you know, if they put on an alpha course, sometimes they're over oversubscribed. And then that model was exported around the world. And Emmy Wilson, um, one of the HTB staff uh, le leading the, the prison ministries, she and, the, and the, the prison team go out to prisons in South America where the Pentecostal revival has been working in, in some of the, the prisons there and says, well, if this happens in South America, maybe in a, in a British prison um, as well. So again, I, I, um, I kind of analyze in the book, what, why is that? And why is it that um, alpha testimonies are very often involving former criminals and the alpha literature that's been produced um, in terms of autobiographies, the richest sources are those from those, uh, you know, have had, had prison experiences. So, so it leads on to, the, to Alpha's social agenda. So I noticed um, mm -hmm. later on in the book, Nikki Gumblin and Alpha more widely seem to become a lot more concerned with the transformation of society aspect of their mission, not simply personal evangelism. Um, could, could you say a, a bit about how that's evolved? I think there's a, a couple of dynamics going on there. On the one hand, you see a trend away from thinking of the Holy Spirit encounter as personal piety, you know, me and God, me and Jesus, uh, which has been one of the criticisms of the Alpha brand. Um, and you see this, I think, genuine maturing of Nicky Gumbel's social theology um, and, and therefore Alpha's social theology. If you trace the revisions of the texts, that becomes very clear over the books. So uh, Martin Percy, for example, a strong critic of Alpha in the 1990s, uh, and writing indeed on this topic for the Church Times in those days, would, would say there's there's no prophetic edge to the Alpha movement. It's it's very therapeutic. It's about personal holiness, not about you know community justice. Um, but I, I do think Nicky Gumbel's taken on board quite a bit of that criticism, um, and they, so has has pushed in a new direction. He's very strong on fighting poverty as perhaps the primary moral question of our, our day. Um, he preaches regularly about environmentalism, species destruction, again, because these things affect the poor, first of all, and the marginalised are on, on the brunt of, of those. But I think you see another dynamic as well, and, and um, this is, is brought out in that chapter on social transformation, that in the 1990s, quite a bit of Alpha's social transformation was about a moral crusade, Again, catching the cultural zeitgeist of, of John Major, uh, do you remember Back to Basics um, and uh, that sort of Tory campaign, which ended in tatters <laughs> because of uh, a whole bunch of sex scandals in, in government. Um, but I, I think you see, you, you see resonance there. Um, so Alpha was launched globally just a few weeks after the, the terrible murder of, of Jamie Bulger. And a lot of cultural angst of Britain saying, you know, where are we going as a nation? Um, and, and Alpha sort of feeds into that question. But I think by the 2020s, the, the cultural critique is, is, is different now. It's much more about community engagement, social transformation, loving your neighbour um, is, is another key part of the Alpha brand now.
I think we see that the, the quotes from from back in the nineties in the book from say Sandy Miller when he was vicar of HDB talking a lot more about family breakdown, divorce, um, se- sexuality. Um, I mean, has, has Nikki Gumbel adopted a different approach? I know on, on sexuality, that's been another critique of Alpha is it's, it's in some of Nikki Gumbel's books, the, the positions taken on, on that issue. But is, is that something he's sought to, to tone down and not really talk about as much because it's seen as divisive? There's There's been a very clear change of policy. And from the time that Nicky Gumbel became vicar. Um, so he succeeded Sandy Miller in 2005, but began to, to see that some of these questions had become toxic uh, in, in terms of cultural conversations and didn't want Alpha to be drawn into those sort of culture wars um, across, across the whole globe. Again, this is, this is a global product. And so certainly the, the teaching... Uh, in one of his books, Searching Issues um, on Sexuality, those, those chapters were deleted. I mean, it continues to appear in, in, in some other places. But yes, it's more kind of studied silence. So I haven't found any evidence of a change of theological position, but there's definitely been a change of approach. What we want to emphasise is talking about Jesus in the Alpha Course um, and also talking about issues which hold us together, um, social justice, poverty, the environment, uh, rather than divorce and abortion and those sorts of, of hot button topics. Perhaps just, just finally, I, I, what you think the future of Alpha is? I mean, could it become outdated in the way stadium evangelism did and then another model of evangelism and mission will take its place? Or do you think it has the capacity to adapt to changing times? So I think evangelistic products have on average perhaps a 10-year shelf life um, that that would be pretty good for for any sort of christian resources uh, it begins to get a little following um, to begin with people pick it up and after 10 years you know we, we move on to the next thing one of the really surprising things about alpha um, is that it is still successful today in the 2020s um, after now three decades since its global launch that's very unusual i mean you might think of emmaus uh, an equivalent course, perhaps Christianity Explored. But I, I try to argue in the book that one of the reasons Alpha has managed that is the ability at continual reinvention, that uh, it, it hasn't stayed put. It's, it's, it's very different today from what it was in the 1990s. Partly some of those theological shifts and evolutions, but also this, this embracing of digital culture, the digital revolution. Uh, gone are the days when Alpha involved putting in a video and watching a 45-minute monologue from Nicky Gumbel. It's now the film series. Um, it's um, short ex- excerpts. There's vox pops. Uh, it's filmed at great expense uh, in situ in places around the world. So the future for Alpha, well, we don't know. It's, it's a, a story yet to be told. But I think if it continues to reinvent, if it continues to be able to innovate, every few years, um, then yeah, certainly it has potential uh, r- right into the future. Nicky Gumbel is, is laying down this month his responsibilities as vicar of HTB, uh, but is continuing as the, 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 the leader of Alpha um, and is now uh, looking at the year 2033, 10 years hence. That's gonna be, of course, the 2000 years since the Great Commission, 2000 years since 
that the resurrection of Jesus Christ no doubt will be celebrated by churches around the world. Uh, Gumbel is now saying, well, what a moment to focus on the Great Commission globally. Um, and let's see if we can adapt and innovate the alpha product. So it's, it's well equipped to help in that project. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more.